Violence, uh, I'm talking about kingdom violence today. Probably haven't seen too many sermons titled Kingdom Violence. We live in a violent world. Would you all agree? It's everywhere we turn. You open the paper, it's on the front page. You turn on the news, it's in front of you. You, uh, your kids play video games that are full of violence that, that you shouldn't let them play, but they, you, play, they, you let them play anyway because you want to pacify them and let them uh, fill their time up. So we let them play games about killing and violence and blood, and we watch movies about it, and we watch television shows, and violence is everywhere. Agree? We live in a violent age. So I found this, this passage, and it's one of those passages, you know, one of those passages. Matthew eleven twelve. So I want everybody to stand. We're going to read that together this morning. Matthew eleven twelve. Read that together with me. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Father, we need an understanding of this word this morning. We need to understand what it's like to take the kingdom by force. Give us. Give, give me wisdom in teaching. Give us wisdom in receiving and perceiving today and understanding what you're trying to speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I don't mind God gives me these topics. Because I'm thinking, well, is there violence in the kingdom of heaven? What, what is he trying to say here? You have to go back and look at it in the context of, of actually Matthew. So many times we, you'll see this scripture ta- taught in about a hundred different ways. And I might, this might be a hundred and one or it might be one of those. I don't know. And I just had a revelation right last night as I was praying. And, and I do my prep through the week. And then Saturday night, Mary Lou, no, she just leaves me alone. And I go to my office and I go over my notes and I pray and I get on my face before God. And, and because this is, you know... It's a tough subject, so I was just praying, God, what, what are you trying to show me? And what do you want? What do you want the con- I, I've got to know what I can give that y'all can get that y'all can take, okay? I, just preaching a good sermon is, is not what I'm about. I mean, I hope that, I hope that when I'm, y'all understand that. It's not about me getting up here and entertaining you for 30, 45 minutes so y'all can go and go, so y'all can go and critique the sermon. Uh, Mary Lou and I critique them enough <laughs> Uh, afterwards, because did you, did you peop, did, were the people connected? We talk about that at the praise team. Did the people connect? Did y'all connect this morning in worship? It's kind of dark in here. I couldn't tell if y'all connecting. Okay, I saw some hands. I just and I don't know if your hands raised means you connect. I mean, okay, it, it starts here, right? That's where the connection is. Um, but I want I want the word of God to connect with you today. So this last night, I prepared all this, this stuff. I've been studying and, and trying to understand what this passage means. And, and there was some confusion there, and I knew that was not of God. So I just pressed into it. And then I began to look at uh, other translations. I looked at the Greek and tried to figure out what all this meant. But the bottom line to it was this, that we, as, as the kingdom basically forced its way into earth through the Jesus. Y'all understand that? We, we kind of take this scripture backwards sometimes. I may I'm getting ahead of myself. But this pressing in is, is really what he's talking about, I believe. 
And so I'm thinking, okay, God, we just did like three services ago. I did two plants up here. And I looked at videos, what kind of plant, how we're going to show these plants growing and separating two plants and replanting them into two pots. And, and, and so we can go to two services, November the 3rd. That's what we're doing. We're going to go to two, thir- two services. But then I remember watching this video of a seed being planted. And you know what it had to do in the soil? It had to break through the soil. And then I was thinking about last week, I was, I was preaching about how about the pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out. And I said, you know what that word meant? And I told you what that word meant. It meant you had to force it out into the kingdom. I'm thinking that's, that's violence according to the word of God. We've got to be forced out sometimes of our comfort zones to really go and be effective in the kingdom of God. And the day and when, when Jesus, he, he sent the Holy Spirit and they were preaching and miracles were taking place and all of a sudden... The persecution came. They stoned Stephen, and the persecution came, and it pushed him out to all the regions of the world. So we've got to be something. There's a violence there that we've got to understand as the kingdom of God. We cannot be passive in this kingdom. Oh, wow, amen, one amen. We cannot be passive in this kingdom. Men, if you think, I'm just a little seed, and I'm just in the soil, and God's planting, and I'm going to go, boom. And I want to be this nice little flower. That's not the way it works. We, we've got to take, he says that violence, take it by force. We've got to be forceful, not in an ugly way. That's not what he's talking about here. It means that we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm way ahead of myself. That's okay. Let me go to Matthew 11. Lay some context for you. I got it so excited about what God gave me at the last minute last night. Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, he commanded them in the, in the, the uh, chapter before to go out and, and do, you know, do what Jesus did, heal the sick, cleanse, uh, cleanse the leper, and raise the dead and all that. After he finished commanding his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard uh, in prison about the works of Christ, say works of Christ, uh, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Tough passage. This whole chapter is tough. Because you're thinking, this is John the Baptist. He baptized Jesus. He raised him out of the water. Heaven's opened. Y'all understand that? The heavens opened. He heard God say, this is my son. Whom I, he, he, he's pleased me. He's my, he's my son, and I'm sending him forth. And John the Baptist was there. He was the one that said, Behold the Lamb of God when Jesus came walking up. And he's, he's been put in prison because he's speaking the truth. He spoke the truth about Herod, who was the ruler at that time, about Herod getting rid of his wife and taking another wife. And he spoke the truth to him. And, man, he got arrested that quick. And I'm telling you, that's some things that we're hearing around us. You understand? You start speaking the truth. You start speaking what, what God's word says. He got arrested. He got put in prison. And what did Jesus come to do? To set the captives free. Oh, John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. Man, he's the anointed one. He's the herald in the, in, in the, in the wilderness. To, he's going to proclaim that Jesus is coming. And yet he speaks the truth. He gets arrested. He's in prison. It doesn't look so good, does it? John's thinking, well, pretty sure, pretty sure that was him. Pretty sure that was the voice of God. I, I'm pretty sure when the, 
the heavens parted and, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. I'm pretty sure that was it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the Messiah. But he gets in a tough place. Listen to me, church. He gets in a tough place and he says this. Go ask. He had some disciples left. He said, you guys go find Jesus. I've heard about the works he's doing. Go ask him if he's the coming one or do we look for another? Sometimes when we get our backs against the wall, don't we think, wow, I wonder if God's really here. I wonder if he's really going to rescue me. I wonder if he's going to do what I've been praying for him to do. Because John the Baptist is going, okay, I'm waiting. Go, guys, go find out about Jesus. Tell him I'm in prison in case he doesn't know. Come get me out of this place. And you know the result of his imprisonment was beheading, served up on a platter as a mockery because the queen's daughter said, hey, I want his head. Yeah, Bring bring me the head of John the Baptist. Didn't look so good on this setting the captives free thing. But I want you to see, even when you have second thoughts, I want you to see the response of Jesus. Gonna be, it's going to interest you. Anybody ever had second thoughts about your faith? Be honest. Any of you ever had second thoughts about your salvation? Not so sure. <laughs> Some of you, I know you have because you, I've baptized you twice. <laughs> Go to verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Here's these two guys coming up to Jesus. He's, he's busy. He's preaching, he's healing, he's doing all these awesome things. These two guys walk up to him and and ask him the question. John's not so sure about you, Jesus. What do we tell him? Now, this is kingdom works here. This is what I want you to see. He said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He didn't say, go back and tell John I'm coming to get him out of prison. He didn't say, go and tell John, listen, we're running the Romans out of town. See, even John had a misconception of what Jesus was all about. Jesus didn't tell him a political answer. He just said, look, you go tell him what's taking place. And I think he'll get it. And he said at the end of that, he said, and blessed, happy is the man, the person who's not offended because of me. Man, we get so offended when people start doing things in the name of Jesus and they don't line up with our theology. We get offended, don't we? We do. Sometimes we're so guilty, church, of saying, Jesus, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you doing more? I've asked for this, and I've asked for that, and begged you for this, and I think I've lived a pretty good life, and why don't you do more? You know, sometimes we ask amiss. Sometimes, really, you really don't even need to ask those questions. But sometimes we ask them because we're offended, because he didn't do what we asked him to do. I had this thought. This is what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, 
Go tell John that the blind stay blind, the lames are still crippled, the lepers are still afflicted, the deaf are still deaf, the dead are staying dead, and the poor, well, who gives a rip about the poor? He didn't say that, did he? But don't we accept that? We do. We do. We accept those things. We, well, Jesus isn't the same. He doesn't do that. Yes, he does. And if we just, if we'll just get on board with what he does and we'll do the works that he called us to do, we'll be able to say, if somebody says, well, what's going on? I hear that place down, Freedom Fellowship, is a cult. And all you would, and here would be the response. I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm telling you, the dead are raised, the, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing again, the lepers are cleansed. Hallelujah! Let them call us what they want to call us. I've actually heard that this couple of weeks ago. My parents think this is a cult. John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works, say greater works, than these he will do because I go to my Father. Man, if we, if we just get satisfied to sit in prison, then God will let you sit there. We need to be about our Father's business. And here's the deal. Right after the New Testament church started, turn, turn to Acts 4. Right after the New Testament church started, this Jesus has already gone, sent the Holy Spirit in his place. Right after all that took place, Acts 4, 18 through 20, uh, if you'll find that. But I just want you to know, uh, Peter and John were going to the, the synagogue. They were going to go pray. There was a man on the side of the road by the gate, beautiful. And he's oh, oh, they need some money, 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 money. And they said, man, we don't have any money. But what we have in the name of Jesus, we give you. Rise and walk. And he rose, he rose up and he started... Yeah, buddy, this is awesome. The same things Jesus was doing. When he said, this is my kingdom. When he said, this, if John wants to know what the kingdom is about, go tell him this is what's taking place. They didn't stop, did they? they? They didn't stop doing what Jesus was doing, did they? Come on, church. Did they stop? No, they kept on doing exactly what Jesus was doing. Why did we quit somewhere along the way? Because you know why? We got offended at the word. Ah, that doesn't happen anymore. Those people are a bunch of weirdos that believe that stuff. You've made those judgments probably. I've made those judgments. Oh, well, that stuff doesn't still take place, does it? Of course it doesn't because we said it doesn't anymore, so we just stopped doing it. But we're seeing it. God's still alive. God's still the same. He's still doing the same things. And he said, you want to tell somebody about the kingdom? Tell them what you see and what you hear. They told these guys, they told Peter and John, they arrested them for healing a guy. Go figure. They arrested them. They put them in jail and they said, look, look, we're going to let you go. Because actually they were afraid of the, the riots. We're going to let you go, but here's what you do. You don't speak another word about Jesus. Don't speak any more about these miracles. Shut up. And here's their reply. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. (laughs) For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Are you speaking the things that you're seeing and hearing? Because if you're not, you know what? You've probably been offended by Jesus. And the enemy's got you right where he wants you. Being quiet. 
Man, we cannot be quiet anymore, church. You know, who the, you know the people who are the most quiet? The people aren't doing anything in the kingdom. Oh. Man, I can't talk about any miracles because I haven't seen any miracles. I can't talk about anybody getting come to Jesus because I haven't led anybody to Jesus, so I just got to be quiet. Is that really? Is that what it's about? Or shouldn't we be making a ruckus in the city? We should be, guys. We can't be afraid of, of taking the city by force. And by force, I'm talking about the power of God. Cannot be afraid. No fear. Here's the cool thing. Look at verse 7, Matthew 11. As they, that was John's disciples, departed, probably going back to say, well, I'm sure that John's not going to want to hear this. Jesus isn't coming. Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, why did you go out in the why did you go out in the wilderness to see? He's, he's talking to the multitudes now. Well, why did y'all go out to see? Did you did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? But why did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? He said a prophet. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those who are born of women, there is not not risen one greater than John the Baptist, because he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Woo, that didn't make sense either. (laughs) John the Baptist, the least in the kingdom, is greater than he. Let me explain that real quickly. John the Baptist was under the old covenant. He did not know that he didn't have the the benefits of the new covenant. So even us as Christians, we are greater than John the Baptist in that sense because we're under the new covenant, the covenant of grace, covenant of the blood of Christ. So that's all that means. So don't get hung up on that. But he said, what did you go out there to see? Because they went out in the, in the countryside. Here's this guy dressed in camel hair. Man, he, had, he ate locusts and honey. That was, his, that, was his, that was the way he lived. He looked, probably looked kind of like a, a, a wild man out in, the, out in the country. But they were going out there because they, they heard truth. People want to hear truth. Whether you all think it or not, they want to hear the truth. They'll go to the truth if they see the evidence of God. So they were going out in there, and he, he was, you know what he was telling them? Repent, 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 repent. He was baptizing people and baptizing people. Saying, "Now look, I'm, I'm baptizing them in water, but this is a baptism of repentance. But listen, there's one that's coming. It's not. I'm not even worthy to tie his, lace up his shoes, because he's going to baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, in all the doubt that John spoke of from prison, you see the one. Is there one coming after him? Did I miss it? Jesus reaffirms him right here. See, if you're in doubt this morning about your salvation, but, man, Jesus wants to affirm you this morning. You're not perfect. John wasn't perfect, but he wants to affirm that you're his. So I just want you to understand that today. Don't think you've got to have all this figured out. It's a process that we walk in. That's what I was talking to Damien about this morning is, Preparing him for baptism. I said, man, I, this life of, of, a, of a Christian is a process. It's working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's hearing the voice of God and responding to his voice. 
John is affirmed by Jesus. And then do we come to the controversial verse, verse 12. Kingdom violence. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Let me read from the Amplified. I think they might have it on the screen for you. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. So many translations declare that the violence at the kingdom is suffering violence, but you have to understand it was only for about two years. It says from the days of who? John the Baptist. He'd only been preaching about two years. He'd only been out in the wilderness about two years. So the violence, if the kingdom of God was suffering violence, it really doesn't make that much sense except the fact that it did because he was arrested for preaching the truth. So there was a violence in that part of it. But more, the, more, the, the, the better definition, I believe, is, is, and I found it in the New International Reader's Version, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing with force. And forceful people are taking hold of it. See, when when Jesus came and when he was baptized in the Jordan, listen, the kingdom began to be advanced by force. He had opened up the world to the kingdom of God when he came out of that water and God sent the Holy Spirit upon his son. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything changed. Everything changed in that moment. Not at the birth necessarily, but at the, at the baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. When he began his ministry, the force became forceful. He began to take dominion and he had to, he had to meet up with Satan right, at, right off the bat. He had to take it by force when he met Satan and he proclaimed the word of God and sent Satan running. That's what he did. You can look at that and you can say, well, the, the kingdom suffers violence. And that's fine because there's, there's an element to that. But I believe more than that, 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 that we, as a part of the kingdom, we have to be forceful in pressing out and doing the works of Jesus. Amen? In the previous chapter... Matthew 10. Look what he said to the uh, the disciples. I think this is interesting when we talk about forcing out, going out. Verse 16. Jesus had commissioned his 12 at this time. He said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Sounds to me like they had to be pretty forceful in their going out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, so excited to go out and face the possibility of being scourged, thrown in prison. It wasn't an easy task he was calling them to do. That's why I said, you know, if we're going to walk this walk, we can't be passive about it. And the violent take it by force. Jesus brought his kingdom to earth, to the church, and we are to be about advancing his kingdom but it's not for the shallow and it's not for the weak. 
It's not for Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. T-. You know, that's an awesome song. But at the end of the song, what are you going to do? At the end of the sermon, what are you going to do? At the end of your devotional in the morning, what are you going to do? At the end of the download that God gives you, of the word of God, the truth, the prophetic word, what are you going to do with it? That's really where, it's, that's where it all hinges, church. This is about as popular a sermon as the one I preached about suffering for Christ two Wednesday nights ago. It's like... <laughs> you know, if we think the, the Christian life is a walk in the park, I just would like to refer a couple of scriptures to you. 2 Timothy 2.4 No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Hmm, warfare. Sounds fun. Get to engage in warfare as a Christian. Wow, that's cool. You mean I've got to put aside the affairs of my own life and put him first? Yeah, that's what it means. In Ephesians 6, you know, he just said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. Guys, there is a battle going on for your soul. Even for Christians, there's a battle going on for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Don't understand that. Your spirit, safe. You're his, good. But the battle is for your mind. It's for your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's a battle. Rejoice Meyer's book. It's a great book called The Battlefield of the Mind. He wants to take you captive so you're not effective. Listen, if he takes you captive, if he gets you in depression, if he gets you sick, if he gets you weak, then you will not be effective for the kingdom of God. Please, are y'all hearing me this morning? Are you really hearing me? I'm just, oh, this is frustrating. Come on, church. If you're, if you're living in that squalor, if you're living ab- below the, the level of what God has for you, you will not be effective for the kingdom of God. <sighs> Woo. Y'all pray. Somebody pray in here. I'm serious, guys. Y'all, y'all think that we're going to walk out of here in the next 20 years? Everything's going to be hunky-dory in America? It, it's not. And I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to get you ready. I, I see Michael Hicks there, and I, I remember all the times he would write letters. He would he said, we're soldiers. We're warriors. He said, put on the armor so you could go what? Fight the good fight of faith. I've got it in my notes here. You know what? He didn't call it the butter knife of the Spirit. He called it the sword of the Spirit. He didn't call it the game of faith. He said it's the fight of faith. It's a battle. Coming to Jesus, entering into the kingdom of God is not a passive entrance. You know why I know that? Because Satan will try everything he can to keep you out of it. He will throw the kitchen sink at you to keep you out of the kingdom of God. Then once you come into the kingdom, if you fight your way through in the, in the sense of, I'm not listening to the enemy, I am going to come in. I'm pressing in. I want, I, want, I want what God has for me. Then what he does is he tries to suppress you and keep you being effective in the kingdom. That's all he does. And all he, you know how he does that? With lies. Lies, lies, and more lies. 
You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. Oh, remember your past. That's what he does. And you know what? We get, we get sucked into that stuff so easily. That's why it's a battle. That's why it's a battle. Any of you battling today? Raise your hands. Any of you battling in the spirit today? Listen, the best place you can battle is on your knees. In submission to God's will. It's the best place you can battle. Yeah, I don't quote Charles Spurgeon much, but I, I saw this and I thought, man, this is worth repeating. I mean, how are we on time? Good. Just getting started. Charles Spurgeon said this, Frequently, complaints are made and surprise expressed by individuals who have never found a blessing rest upon anything they have attempted to do in the service of God. I have been a Sunday school teacher for years, says one, and I have never seen any of my girls or boys converted. No, and the reason most likely is you have never been violent about it. You may have never you you have never been compelled by the divine spirit to make up your mind that converted they should be and no stone should be left unturned until they were. Did y'all get that? You got people under you got people under you got your children under you've got people in your, on your workplace you should not be you should not rest until you see them come into the kingdom of God. He says, you have never been brought by the Spirit to such passion that you have said, I cannot live unless God bless me. I cannot exist unless I see some of these children saved. Then falling on your knees in agony of prayer and putting forth afterwards your trust with the same intensity towards heaven, you would never have been disappointed for the violent take it by force. You're battling for souls. You're battling for souls, church. I love what God's doing through my son. He's not content for somebody. They say, well, my pain is about half of what it was. He said, okay, that's good. No, he says, let's let's pray some more. Let's pray some more. God didn't want you to live in that pain. We We don't need to stop short, church. Because if you stop short, listen, the enemy's won. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to receive it, He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Man, he was throwing stuff at them in this chapter and and this message. He was throwing stuff at them. And they're like, whoo, what are you talking about? The violent thing about force. And John is Elijah. Man, if this doesn't make sense. And And Jesus said, look, if you know the Old Testament, if you know the word of God, then you know that the spirit of Elijah came in John the Baptist. He's a great prophet. He's a different prophet because he's the herald of me, Jesus said. He's different than any prophet who ever lived. But he said, he said these words, if you're willing to receive it. See, this message this morning, if you're willing to receive it, God can do great things in you. But if you're not willing to receive it, he won't, he won't force his away. You know, Elijah did appear in, in uh, if you look at 17.3, Matthew 17.3, he appeared on the Mount Transfiguration. God, Jesus wasn't lying. He's coming. He came through John, and he came on the Mount Transfiguration. Verse 16, but to what shall I like in this generation? It's like Jesus was standing, it's like he's standing here today. This is another one of those scriptures that people have a difficult time with, so I'm, I'm covering them all on one Sunday. But what shall I like in this generation? He's talking to the people right in front of him. It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to the companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned for you, you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking. They said he has a demon. 
Those scriptures basically mean whatever, however Jesus comes, people don't want to receive him that way. If he came playing the flute and said, oh, just follow me into the kingdom, they, they wouldn't follow him. But if he said, I'm going to come and lament and mourn, they wouldn't follow him. Because we want him on our terms. And he won't do that. Doesn't that sound like our generation? I just want to go to a seeker-friendly church. I don't want them to call. I don't want them to challenge me to do anything. I just want to love Jesus. And I want to do my own thing the rest of the time. If that's what you want, this ain't the place for you. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just serious as I can be. If, if, that's, if you want a passive Christianity, if you want to not do anything in the kingdom of God, if you don't want to do the works of Jesus, there's a lot of places you can go. I'd rather have 50 in here that are ready to do that than 300 that... Ah. You know, we're starting two services in November, and this is probably the smallest crowd we've had in a long time. You know why? Passive people go, Oh, it's raining. I might get my hair wet. I'm on live stream, right? <laughs> well, uh-oh, awkward. And I'm talking to you. Ha-ha, ha-ha, ha-ha. Can y'all do that? Ha, 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 ha. That's laughing at the devil. We heard that many years ago. Creflo Dollar did that, a sermon. He said, I just, when things get the worst that they can possibly be, he said, me and my wife just go, ha, 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 ha. We kind of caught on to that. It was good. So next time you get in a down and you're in a bad place, just start laughing at the devil because he, uh, he loses. You know, we are, we're in an age where we hear a lot about the blessings, but little about the sacrifice, little about the battle, little about obedience, very little about taking up our cross, and very little about dying daily to ourselves. All those things I just said are things that Jesus said we have to do. Not me. Jesus said that. Verse 19, we'll close. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber. Wow. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. You know, even a broken clock is, tw- is, is, is correct twice a day. They got, they got a couple of things right here when they said he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He wasn't a glutton. He wasn't a wine-bibber. But he was. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And one of the first guys he called was a tax collector. They didn't know what they were saying, did they? In other words, guys, they were looking for a Jesus that didn't fit their mold. We try to twist the Word of God so it fits us instead of fitting ourselves into the Word. But he says this, the last verse, just the last part of verse 19. But wisdom is justified by her children. You know what that means? Another good one. (laughs) Wisdom in Proverbs 8, it was a woman. 
Okay? And when you read, you know what we usually say? You know what we usually say about wisdom? It's this. I've got such a great wisdom. I've got such great knowledge. Even godly knowledge. We say that's wisdom. But the wisdom he's talking about here is wisdom that produces something. Think about that. You can be the wisest person. Even Solomon was the wisest, but he got lots of trouble, didn't he? We can have godly wisdom even and not, not operate in it. But he's saying this wisdom is justified by our children. In other words, their children prove that wisdom was working out from them and touching the lives of their children. So there was a producing of, oh, there was a producing of righteousness. So we can say, you can say you're wise all day long. I've got the wisdom of God. You can say you're Solomon. It don't matter unless you're doing something with it. Again, Jesus is saying, all these things I've given you, all these things I've blessed you with, it's going to take you to get out of your comfort zone because the violent take it by force. Stand to your feet, please. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Father, we thank you this morning that we're an army. Some are privates and some are lieutenants and some are sergeants, but you've got an army that you've assembled in this body. And Father, we we go through boot camp a lot. We we keep learning, keep understanding. We we keep growing, but but we know when we walk out these doors that the the enemy's camped outside the door. Did y'all know that? He's literally camped outside the door waiting to devour you, waiting to take you down another notch or stop what God's doing in your life. Just bow your heads. Oh, just. Father, a lot of people in this room have believed a lot of lies. Today, the truth is going to set them free. They have said, I'm not worthy. I can't do anything for Jesus. And they believe that lie. Today, the light of Christ, the Holy Spirit, will shine in them to dispel the lie. There are people in here that said, I can't lay my hands on the sick. They're not going to recover because I'm not perfect. And that's another lie because they're not healing anybody anyway. It's you just doing it. All you've asked us to be is obedient. Father, I'm asking for the pressing in, the pressing up, and the pressing out to start taking place in this body. And we'll break through the lies. We'll break through the walls that have been erected to keep us from advancing the kingdom. 
Father, forgive us of the judgments that we've made, the vows that we've made, even the fact that we think we can do anything without you, Lord. That's, that's something that we have to repent of because without you, we can't do anything. I just, I just feel like this morning there are people that need to repent, not to another minister up here, just to repent to come and kneel at the altar. You believe some lies. You're not effective in the kingdom of advancing the kingdom because of the lies you believed. So today, God's saying those lies are gone. They're done. They're over with. They're not going to capture you anymore. They're not going to operate you in you anymore. And you're wondering, man, I, I know people that need, they need Jesus and I haven't pressed in. Because you believe the lies, you haven't pressed in. You, you haven't allowed, you haven't forced your way in Say, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray till they get saved. I'm gonna I'm gonna witness until they get saved. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna be that person. I wanna be that guy that's gonna go out there and lay it on the line for Jesus. Some of you need just to repent of the fact you think you can't be that person. Because what you're doing is saying it's all about you. And it's not, it's about who God is in you. I'm just gonna open up the altar, just come and kneel up here. I wanna pray over people this morning. Corporately, I, I believe we're at, we're at such a strategic time in the life of this body. Just a strategic time in the life of this body. We've become complacent, and God's had no more passivity, no more compromise. We've got to be the church that he, he died for. He gave his life for something more than what we've been seeing, church. Seriously? Three, two people? I'm so glad all of you got it all together because I don't. I'll be up here too. We're moving into a place that we've never been before. And I'm asking you, would you submit, would you commit to let God be God in your life? Not let, it's not about me, it's not about freedom fellowship, it's about God being God in your life. No more passivity. No more seeker-sensitive. No more trying to please people and teeter-tottering around and and walking on eggshells, but beginning to be a, a, a force for the kingdom of God. Listen, we got a big city. And on a good day, probably uh, five, 6,000 people might be in church out of 100,000. You think we're advancing the kingdom very well. I would say not. On a good day. And I'm, I'm telling you today the churches are half full because of rain. What does that speak of, a, of us? Yeah, you can kneel right where you're at if you want to. That's awesome. Y'all can sit down. Y'all go ahead and sit. Just want everybody to be in an attitude of prayer. A lot of guys are military people and in our body and they come and go and you know what they have to do when they when they join the military when they say they have to sign on the line if i am i correct josh in saying that you're willing to give your life for your country is that something you actually have to pledge to do i mean are you willing to give your life for jesus christ way more important than this country for the kingdom of god are you willing because that's the challenge this morning that's the challenge from the word of god he didn't call us. I, I doubt that there's any perfect Marines, even though some of them think they are. There's probably no perfect Marines, but they go and they fight. 
We're an army. We have a battle in front of us. We're not perfect, but we're willing. I just pray that you're willing this morning. Just going to give you a few minutes just to be in God's presence. Let Him speak to you. Father, this morning we come and we bow before you. We ask, Father, that you forgive us of being passive, of believing the lies, and not believing who you say we are. That we begin to understand that our identity is in you. You've called us up to press through, to grow, to affect the lives of other people. John said, what's the kingdom look like? You said the sick are healed. The lepers make clean. The poor are ministered to. The dead are raised. The blind begin to see. The deaf begin to hear. You said your kingdom was. And Father, we're we're not in this to see miracles. We're in this to exalt the name of Jesus. That's what your kingdom looks like. Father, forgive us for thinking that we were doing church instead of being church. Forgive us for going through the motions. When the world is out there dying and we're just going through the motions Father I pray for holy boldness even when the, the disciples were the apostles were told to be quiet they went back to their prayer meeting they said pray for us that we would be bolder even after they just got out of jail and they prayed give us more boldness to preach to do the works of Jesus Father, we need that holy boldness. It doesn't come from us. It can't come from us. It will not work if it's us stepping up and thinking we're going to do anything. But it comes from submission. It comes from bowing to the name of Jesus and allowing you to work in and through us because of your great love towards the people that are lost and would be obedient to the call that you put in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.